Good morning. I'm Joe Collins and welcome to See Me Church. Our mission is to love God and neighbor one household at a time. We are a group of ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are or what your story, we're glad you're here. We've been in a series called One-on-One -on -one with Jesus, and last week we looked at a one-on-one -on -one between Jesus and two different high priests. And we learned not only that not only is God's word the best source of truth in our world today, but nothing is more important to him than saving another soul. Well, this week, you're in for a real treat. I've invited my good friend Delano Stewart, lead evangelist of the Las Vegas Church of Christ, to bring the message to us today. Delano and I have become great friends over the past few years. He's a great brother with a great grasp of God's word and deep conviction on the meaning and the truth of it. So I know you're in for a real treat. After his message, I'll be back and I'll lead us in a time of communion. But before we do anything else, let's take a minute and go to God in prayer. Our dear friend, Chris Spencer, is going to lead us. Let's pray. Good morning, Steamy Church. My name's Chris Spencer, and I'm going to be leading us in a quick prayer this morning. Now, I know you guys love the long lectures and the talks and all that, but Chris is going to keep it simple this morning. So as you guys know, we've been doing a lot of in-person things recently. Um, church, the tailgates, Six Feet. Um, I know campus, we've been doing some in-person events and devos and stuff like that, and we still have a lot more planned in the future. Um, but as you know, we're coming together more and more as a normal church here. Uh, this is a time when I've realized that a lot of people are feeling left out and not so included in this church now that we're, you know, getting back to the normal string of things here. Uh, I know personally I've heard from friends, family, not even just in the church, but yes, there are people in the church that are feeling this way. Um, that, you know, they just have no one to turn to and they just feel isolated and not really included in anything. So that's just something that's been on my heart recently and um, I've been really trying to um, fix in myself um, and look at, you know, what's going on around me. Who's people that I haven't talked to in a while? Who's, you know, people that the whole campus uh, hasn't really connected with that much? Um, and, you know, just reach out to them as a friend first um, and just be there for them, anything they need. Um, but yeah, that's just something that I've recently been hearing, especially now, and something that I want to pray about now. So if you guys would uh, bow your heads with me, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for this church and this family that we have. We've gone through a lot these past few months, but you know we've stayed strong through it all, um, and we've really stuck together through this and through these interesting times, God. Um, but with that being said, I pray for the people that don't feel so included um, in this body that we have here, God. And I don't think it's intentional on anyone's part to make anyone feel left out. Um, I simply believe that it's just because these are some very hard times that everyone's going through, God, and something that no one's really experienced, and people don't really know how to deal with that. Um, and I just pray, God, that the people who are feeling this way that you know people haven't been there for them or people haven't reached out for them and connected to them just as a friend God and um, as family as a church 
Um, I pray that, you know, we can look into our hearts, God, and that we can seek to understand um, and seek to listen to these people, God, because although we are one family, it's a family made up of individuals. And I just pray that we don't forget all these individuals that make up this amazing church um, and how we can make each and every one feel special, important, and included um, in our church, God. Um, and I'm not immune to this either, God. I know I've been uh, guilty of doing this too. I pray that you can help me look into my heart and reach out to people who might not feel um, so involved and engaged uh, in our family here, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, See Me Church. My name is Delano Stewart, and along with my wife, Nadine Stewart, we serve as the minister and women's ministry leader for Valley Christian here in Las Vegas. I know some of you, and some of you may know me, and so I just want to thank Joe and Lynette for um, just this opportunity to serve the church in this way. Um, just a little bit about me. I was converted in 1993 in the campus ministry in the LA church as a junior in college. Uh, shortly after that, um, I went into the full-time ministry as a campus minister. Um, about five months into becoming a Christian, I started dating my now current wife, Nadine. We've been married for 25 years. Um, I have uh, three children. Uh, 24-year-old, uh, 22-year-old, and a 20, well, soon to be 22 and soon to be 21-year-old. And all three of them are attending college right now, two of them in uh, the state of Arizona and one in the state of Texas. And so my wife and I have been serving in the paid ministry here in uh, Las Vegas for the last seven years. Uh, four years co-leading and for the last three or four years um, leading on our own. My wife is part-time in the ministry. Uh, she also does some other things uh, for work and, and I serve as full-time. So just I'm grateful Joe and I, we go way back um, several years um, and not, not like way back like 25 years, but uh, it was actually what spurred our relationship on is uh, we are both thinkers uh, Joe is an ideas guy, I'm an ideas guy, and we clicked, and we've just maintained a relationship um, since then, and I will bounce ideas off of him, kind of get his input, and then he listens and tell me, tells me how horrible of an idea that was, and I say, thank you, Joe. No, I'm joking. Uh, we, we have a great relationship, and I'm just grateful for the friendship um, there. So I wanted to preach to you and speak to you about the fact that we are, we are united by the gospel. It's, it's a reminder of who we are in Christ. Just like you, I'm sure, in Simi, uh, just like in Vegas, things are crazy, all right? Uh, Nevada is going backwards. I think California is going backwards. Things are open and things are closed. Uh, we, we are dealing with our own uh, uh, cultural uh, relations and, and things like that. And um, it, it's 
everything that you guys are going through, we're going through at just 115 degree temperature, all right? At least you guys have access to a beach not too far away. We have to drive four or five hours to get to one. All right, so, but we are united not by trouble. We are united by the gospel. And I know that people want to talk about a lot of things. You just have to get on Facebook to find out. People want to talk about their feelings. People want to talk about politics. People want to talk about who's wrong. People want to talk about who's wrong. People want to talk about who's wrong. They already think they're right, so they don't talk about themselves. They just talk about everybody who's wrong. Should I wear a mask? Shouldn't I wear a mask? Who should be in power? Who shouldn't be in power? What race is superior to this race? Who are the oppressors? Who are the oppressees? People want to talk about a lot of things. But that as Christians in Christ Jesus, the thing that unites us is not our race. Other than if you talk about the human race. And yeah, that unites us. But even within that race, there are different cultures that could potentially divide us. But there is something in Christ that unites us, and that's the gospel. You know, I got on your website, and I thought it was awesome. You know, it says, we are a group of ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. And I said, I know exactly what I'm going to preach about. I'm going to preach about that extraordinary message that you guys believe in. You know, we believe the same thing. We, our slogan is imperfect people serving a perfect God. Man, we have so many mistakes. We have so many issues. We fall down so many times, but we serve a perfect God with a perfect message of a perfect Savior who has perfect love for an imperfect people. And so I wanted to share how we are united in Christ. And I want to remind us who we are in Christ. Because right now the world, the world is telling us we're a lot of things. The world is trying to divide us on every front. Even in good intentions, people are divided. And so it's important to have a message of unity. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. And it reads, and just to give a little bit of background, uh, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth uh, around the mid or early, I believe, 50s A.D. Um, and I believe that he started this on his started this church on his third missionary journey. Has any any he, he's writing to the church that he started, writing to the church that's his baby. That, were, that they were dealing with lots and lots of issues. And one of the biggest issues they were dealing with that's addressed in chapter 1 and all through the scriptures is unity. They were divided in who they were going to follow in chapter 1. Cephas, Apollos, Jesus. Who are they going to follow? Because they got caught up in looking at man. They got caught up in looking at things that divided them instead of focusing on the things that united them or the thing that united them or the one that united them, Jesus Christ. 
And so Paul talks about in the very beginning of the letter, the salutation and the introduction. You know, he he introduces himself, talks about how grateful they are. But in verse 10, jumps right into the issue. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and in one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. So Paul isn't saying uniformity, meaning do everybody do the same thing. But he says, hey, when you what comes to what you're thinking, your thoughts, you guys better be united. To me, there's only one thing that we can be united on, that that from that the unity is is blossomed from there. And that's the gospel in verse 18. And he talks about a lot of different things. And in verse 18, he says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. What a passage of Scripture. Spoken not to the lost, but spoken to the saved. To remind them who they are in Christ and what they have in common, what they have to be united over and about. And going back to verse 18, he says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. If you really think about it, right now, people even in church are looking for answers. They're looking for solutions to what ails the world. And what's blown my mind is the last thing they look at is the message of the cross. The first thing they go to is the wisdom of the world. Blows my mind. You're like, well, Delano, they they have some good ideas in the world. Name one that isn't based. Name a good idea from the world that isn't based somehow on Scripture. Can you think of one? Because if it involves love, that's a godly idea. If if it involves forgiveness, that's a godly idea. If if it involves serving and, and loving one another and thinking of each other more highly than yourself, oh, those are all biblical ideas. If it involves switching power from one group to the next group, letting the oppressors become or the oppressees becoming the oppressors and the oppressors now becoming the oppressees. Yeah, that's not God's idea because that's a seesaw of power that never ends. that's, That's not God's idea. God's idea is all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Not me, but him. You know what I mean. 
So, I don't know. Here's a wild thought. Maybe what should heal the, what ails the world is the cross. The world's not trying to hear that, Delano. They don't want to hear about Jesus. You're right. Because to them it's foolishness. But is it foolishness to you? Is it useless to you? Or is it the gospel? Is it the good news? Is it the very thing that people in the world need? Come on. I want you to think about it. What are we united in? We're united by the message. Let's talk about that. Well, what's the message? The message is the world is lost and needs saving. And by God's grace and God's mercy, he sent Jesus. So that those of us who are powerless, Ephesians chapter 2, Romans chapter 5, we were dead in our sins. And by God's grace, he sent Jesus to die for us while we were still powerless. Powerless to do what? Powerless to save ourselves. And by God's grace and by God's love and by his mercy, he sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be saved. What does it say in Romans chapter 1? In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Did you catch that? Paul says, I am not ashamed. He's preaching, he's writing to Rome. The church in Rome that exists at the time in the most powerful empire on earth. The wealthiest empire on earth. He didn't go to Rome kowtowing saying, oh man, you guys have it all figured out. He went to Rome and said, no, 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 I have real good news. I have true good news. And it's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, the message of the cross, it is absolutely foolish. It's, do you remember the first time you heard the gospel? Do you remember the first time you heard about Jesus? Now, imagine you having all the power in the world, all the money in the world, and in, in, in not worrying about anything. And someone comes in and says, hey, you know what? You're lost. And the only way to be saved, truly saved, is by putting your faith in a poor guy that lived in Galilee. I know you're Roman and you don't have much respect for the Jews, but this guy was a son of God. Oh, yeah, did I mention that? He said he was a son of God. Yeah, he did miracles and things like that, but yeah, he said he was the son of God. And he lived the perfect life. And he died on the cross. Yeah, you heard me right. He was crucified. Don't, yes, I know only criminals and commoners die on, on the cross. I mean, that's a horrible way to die, but that's how he died. But he rose again on the third day. And then he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what you need to believe if you're going to be saved. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 
I mean, the world says you got to be crazy to believe something like that. And yet that's what you, if you were a disciple of Jesus Christ, you staked your life on. I staked my life on it. Not because I've seen Jesus, but because of faith. See, the thing that unites us and the thing that needs to unite us as disciples of Jesus Christ is our faith in Jesus, our faith in the gospel message. Guys, think about it. We don't have a plan B. Why do you think it's imperative for us to be united? Because there's no one else on earth that believes what we believe. People believe that the answer is in the world, that, that, that the world has the power, that the world has the answers. But remember why you came to Christ? You came to Christ because the world had no answers, and it still doesn't. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the message that unites us. Paul wanted to remind the Corinthians about that. But the other thing is the power. We were powerless to change our lives, powerless to save ourselves. We can make adjustments. We can tweak our lives, but we can't go from lost to saved. We don't have that power. We need Jesus. Some of you, your marriages were saved. Your lives were saved. I remember I came to Jesus at a point in time. I, I was doing pretty well from a worldly standpoint. But from a spiritual standpoint, I couldn't, I couldn't change anything in my life. I was sold as a slave to sin, immorality, impurity, anger, hatred. And I got tired of it. I was like, man, if this is what life is like, I don't even want to be a part of it. And then someone introduced me to Jesus and the power to truly change. Not Jesus is now going to, now, now me and Jesus are going to change my, no, no, Jesus is going to change my life. I'm going to, I, I'm going to sit back and rest and trust and totally rely on him. Doesn't mean I don't do it doesn't mean that I do nothing. It just means that I understand any change that happens for the good in my life is because of the power of Jesus Christ in my life. Why? Because I tried it without him and it didn't work. There's power in a relationship with Christ. There's power. And ultimately, it's the power of God for salvation. See, I can't save myself. I can't save anyone else. But Jesus Christ can. Think about it. Jesus came to earth. He could have just, he could have changed the world for the better. But instead, he left the world as is and says, I'm going to do the harder thing and change people. I'm going to change the hearts of men. Because this world is lost. I made it good. Man turned it into Garbage. And there's going to come a time where I bring down a new heaven and a new earth and I need a new people to inhabit it. And I'm going to give the power to people to be that new people. The power. And then the faith. The faith that says, Jesus, I believe you. 
Jesus, I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. Jesus, I believe that you are the bread come down from heaven. Jesus, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that I must die to myself. I must be buried in Christ to be alive in Christ. I believe you're the light of the world, that you're the Messiah, that I believe that before Abraham was that you are, were. I believe that you are the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. I believe, Jesus, that all power and authority has been given to you. See, when we talk about faith, we're talking about three components. One, we're talking about trust. We don't trust in things. We trust in people. We trust not in something, but we trust someone. And we've entrusted our lives to Jesus. That list of things that Jesus says he is, that's what we're entrusting ourselves to. That's who we are entrusting ourselves to. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the one to take away the sins of the world. That's who we are trusting. I'm not trusting Joe and Lynette. I'm not trusting Delano and Nadine. I'm not trusting them in the same way I'm trusting in Jesus. Why? They're fallible. I'm fallible. I'm trusting in Jesus. And as long as Joe and Lynette and my family group leader and my friend and my disciple or whatever, as long as they're following Jesus, I can put my trust in them. Why? Because they are following who I am ultimately trusting. See, that's the one thing about division. The very first thing to go is trust. Why? Because the very first thing we do is get our eyes off of Jesus and get our eyes on each other. And it's hard to have faith in someone that you see as fallible. But when we see Jesus, fix our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and pioneer of our faith, it is so much more comforting to trust in Jesus than to trust in just people. But I have more confidence in people that follow Jesus than people that don't follow Jesus. But we're also talking about belief. And when we're talking about belief, we're talking about believing that what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient for salvation. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. Well, chapter, chapter 9 verse 10. I'm sorry, chapter 10 verse 9 says, then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. This is Jesus. He said, he set aside the first to establish the second. Verse 10, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus brought us salvation. We believe that. We don't go around believing that we brought ourselves salvation because of how awesome we are. We believe that it was by God's grace that we're saved through faith. And that faith is something that unites us. That faith is something that should bring us together. That faith is what we stand, why we need to get to know each other, why we need to be close to each other, why we need to share our stories. Because that faith, that faith is 
in what Jesus has done for us so that we could be saved. And lastly, it's the mission. In verse 23, he says, but we preach Christ crucified. We preach him crucified. And it's a stumbling block to Jews because it's like, who, what Savior dies? And foolishness to the Gentiles, what Savior dies and is crucified? Weak people, evil people, wicked people are crucified. But Jesus was crucified, the perfect sacrifice. Do we still preach that? See me, church, do you still preach that? Paul said, I strove to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because it's what unites us. It's what we're calling people to come to Christ, but we're calling them to come to die to themselves and to live for Christ. We're not calling them to come to a cool church. We're not calling them to come to a cool church club. We're calling them to Jesus, crucified, raised on the third day. We're, we're, called, we're calling people to follow a Savior who gave up everything, who expects everything. See, faith is, is, is really the only response to grace, that some, the true response to, to, to grace is, is faith. Our mission is to take this message, is to take this message of power and this call to have faith in Jesus. It's our mission to take it out into the world. Don't make me quote Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. You know it. And if you don't, look it up. But we need to be committed to the message. Be committed to the mission. We take that message on our mission to help people to have faith and come in contact with the power of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that I noticed in this pandemic that has caused an epidemic. So the pandemic has caused people to have more time. The epidemic is they get on Facebook. And I have to ask the question, what is your Facebook to Bible ratio? Two to one? Three to one? One to three? The Bible, or well, this pandemic has caused us to be isolated. But that doesn't mean that we're free from the mission. You know, it was interesting because a couple, um, a, a woman who was a former member of the church, um, met someone and decided to, they wanted to get married and they had plans before COVID hit to get married in, in, a, in another country. Well, COVID hit and the plans fell through. And so she asked if I would do the wedding. And mind you, she was marrying someone that, you know, wasn't, she wasn't part of the church anymore. She had left, but he wasn't part of any church. He wasn't a disciple by his own admission of Jesus. And they asked me to do the wedding. And I said, I'll do the wedding on three conditions. 
Number one, if I'm going to do your wedding, no more hanky-panky, no more immorality. Number two, I know you guys are living together. You guys got to move out, be celibate until the day of the wedding or after you guys are married. I said, number three, you've got to agree to sit down and study the Bible, study, the, study out marriage or come to marriage counseling, if you will, and we're going to use the Bible as a standard. If you're willing to do those three things, I'll do your marriage. Now, I didn't think they were going to call. I thought, yeah, right. That night they called and said, we'll do it. That night, I think she moved in with her mom. And they said, well, we're, the immorality's off, and we're going to commit to at least three times studying the Bible or studying out marriage with you, with you and Nadine. And we did. And we sat down and, and went through the, through the study, and basically we looked at Jesus being the Lord of their life and every aspect of their life for, for three Bible studies. And what was so awesome is... Um, I challenged the guy especially, saying, how are you going to lead your wife in Jesus if Jesus is not your Lord? And I remember him kind of looking at me through Zoom saying, that's a great question. And I challenged him. I said, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life if you're truly going to live for him and lead your wife spiritually. And I'm proud to say that that man became a disciple. He was baptized on July 12th, and his wife is being restored today. And I share that because I knew, and my, my wife and I knew, hey, we're putting everything on the line. But there's power to the message. There's power. When people put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we shared the message of the gospel over and over and over again. Because my wife and I, we understand, and I believe many, and we've had several baptisms during this COVID time, because there are people committed to the mission of preaching the gospel. Now, we haven't changed the community of Las Vegas probably one bit. But we've done something even harder through Christ. Hearts have been changed. And those hearts that have been changed now go out into society and they too preach a message of hope and of grace and of mercy. And I pray that their message will land on fertile ground that they too will begin to preach. Remember, Jesus came to change the world one life at a time and it hasn't changed yet. He still believes in changing the world one life at a time. Now, the world may not change, you know, like we want it to, but people are being changed the way God wants them to. And I want to just encourage See Me Church as well as Valley Christian, for whoever may be watching this from Valley Christian. Number one, we've got to know the message. You know, if we don't know the message, we can't teach the message. And I'm not just talking about Bible studies. I think those are important tools. Talk about the message of the gospel. 
if we can't sit down and walk someone through the message of the gospel through the scriptures, then we're spending way too much time on other things. Binge watching, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I don't even know all the other stuff. House party, Zoom. We've got to spend more time getting to know the message. We should know the message front to back, inside and out. We've got to know the message. Number two, we've got to feel the power. See, it's hard to to tell someone about power. It's easier to show them. To show them the power of the cross in your life. We were able to share, you know, over and over again during that time of marriage counseling, all the ways that Christ helped us in our marriage. My wife and I have been married for 25 years. We did a lot of things wrong, and we had to go back to the cross many times. And we look at all those mistakes we made as demonstrations of God's power to save people who are weak in and of themselves and broken. People respect power, especially in the United States. People respect power, but the power is not in might. The power is not in wealth. The power is in a changed life. We've got to keep the faith. I know it's hard. I know some of you have been isolated. I know some of you are going through it, going through the ringer. You've got to keep the faith. You've got to remember in whom we believe, what we believe. We've got to remember there is no plan B, but that we trust Jesus, that we believe the message, and we're devoted and committed to living out Christ's teachings in our lives. We've got to keep the faith. And lastly, We've got to live the mission. I don't know, and again, you might say, that's too old school, but I'm going to say it anyway. Man, when's the last time you dug into the Word with a non-Christian, helping them to hear the message of Jesus? Some of us were just way too out of practice. What about your oikos? Yeah, I know about that word. Joe and I talk. What about the oikos? What about, what about your oikos? Are you sharing, are you living your mission in your oikos? Are you going out looking for people to expand your oikos? Or has your oikos fallen apart because of this pandemic? Don't let Satan rob you of the mission because there are plenty of people that still need to be saved. See me, church. I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen if you are still listening, because I may not be talking to you if you turned off the live stream 10 minutes ago. But I just want to say I'm grateful. I'm grateful to know that there's a sister church in Simi Valley preaching the gospel, that there is a sister church and fellow brothers and fellow disciples and sisters and fellow disciples that are, they know the message. They feel the power who um, keep the faith or keeping the faith and who are living the mission. Guys, this is how we're united. And I pray this has been a good reminder of who we are in Christ. Thank you again for this opportunity to serve you. God bless and have a great day.